Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I tell you what, I'm glad I'm here. You've heard me say this, I'd rather be here in the best hospital in town, wouldn't you? God is so good to us. Uh, If you would uh, look at your neighbor and just say, I'm really glad you're here today. You know, COVID's going to give up a few more people before long. They're going to get back to church. How many believe that? Well, uh, I tell you what, it's a great morning. I appreciate the group that's been singing for us. Let me introduce to you over to my left, Mark and Julie over here, Morris. They're from Wales, and they, they talk a little different than an Okie. And uh, w- w- wave your hand up really, really high. They're missionaries, so let's give them a big hand. And for some reason, they, they just don't have that Oklahoma drawl, that accent. They, they're very prim and proper. And I said this in the first service this morning. I said, whenever you hear someone, you know, from over in England or Wales speak, they just sound more intelligent than us. <laughs> Come on now. You, you, you know I'm telling the truth. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We're asking your blessing upon our life. Your word is already blessed, but bless it to us. Let us have ears to hear, a heart to receive. And God, we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being here. You may be seated. Um, Let me ask you a question. Does anybody here ever watch Antiques Roadshow? Okay. So Carrie and I watch it. It comes on Monday night, PBS. We, we, we tend to watch it if we're home. And uh, you're always surprised by what people bring. And some things are very valuable, some aren't. Some people think it's valuable, it's not. And they don't think it's not, and it is. So this is Ty Dodge. He's from Alabama, and he brought a painting. And this is of his great-grandfather. And in this painting, uh, he brings, he thinks it's worth about, you know, $7,000, $8,000, but it's by Frederick Remington. Now, if you know anything about Southwestern art, uh, you know, cowboy Indians, uh, Frederick Remington is like the cream of the crop. So when he brought this picture of uh, his grandfather, we're going to put it up on the screen maybe, uh, this picture is of his grandfather in a a military uniform, and it's worth $800,000. And then the next one was a watch that they brought. It's called a Batik 1914 Philippe uh, 18-carat gold watch. And they actually valued it on Antiques Roadshow at $1.5 million. Now, that's quite a watch. Now, sometimes when they, they value those things, it, it really doesn't you know, sell for that. But it was sold at Sotheby's for $1.5 million. And then the last one I want to share with you was not on Antiques Roadshow. It's a guy by the name of Lauren Kreitzer. He was a carpenter who was in a near-fatal automobile accident, and he lost his leg. And so because of that, he couldn't work like he wanted to. He's just eking out a living. He, He can hardly, you know, pay his utilities and his rent. So he's watching Antiques Roadshow, and they put up a Navajo Ute blanket that was made back in like the 1840s. And so he's watching the Roadshow. They value this blanket at uh, about $500,000. And he remembered that his grandmother had one like it. And he remembered his grandmother putting it out on the front porch 
so the cat could have its litter in the blanket. So grandmother dies. He has this blanket in a plastic bag. He goes and gets it, and it has a few stains from the cat. And, and so th they go and they, you know, they clean it up a little bit, and he takes it to have it valued. It sells at auction for $1.5 million. I take it away from the cat. I don't know about you. cat can't have it anymore, but he sells it for $1.5 million. Now listen. There are some things that are very, very valuable, but it's only worth what people are willing to pay for it, right? So it's only worth what people are willing to pay for it. So value is very subjective. Uh, we've been on this series about love, and Matt started it. We, we began with music. If you were here for the first installment, you know, we heard Foreigner. I want to know what love is. We, we, we heard Tina Turner, what? Love got to do with it. It's just a secondhand emotion. Well, Tina's got a lot to do with it. So, you know, this, this thing about love is, is very important to us. I don't know if you know who Carl Menninger is. He was one of the leading psychiatrists for, you know, this, this last century. And I want to give you what he said. Love cures people, the ones who receive it and the ones who give it. He went on to say, love is a medicine for the sickness of the world, a prescription often given but rarely taken. Even the secular world knows if we know how to give love and receive love, it will cure a lot of things in your life. And obviously, God is the greatest lover for God is love. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But, you know, we live in a society where people just get things really discombobulated. Uh, there, there's a lady, she's dead now, but her name is uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare. She was the most instrumental person who took prayer out of school. Now, you would think somebody that I'm about to describe couldn't have that kind of clout, but I want you to listen. She was uh, married twice, had two domestic partners, had children with uh, her husbands and also a boyfriend. She was an atheist. Um, she founded the American Atheistic Movement. She had ties with the Communist Party. She tried to defect to Russia once, but the Russians wouldn't have her. Uh, should have took her. Uh, she was a militant feminist. She denied the Holocaust ever happened, said religion was a crutch. She was suspected of misusing the money donated to the Atheist Foundation. She wrote speeches for Larry Flint, uh, in 1994, who was a presidential uh, candidate. If you don't know who he is, that's good. He's the publisher of Hustler Magazine, which is a pornographic magazine. One of her sons, William Murray, became a Christian in 1980 and became a Baptist minister. So completely, you know, departed from his upbringing. Um, this is what she said about her son later. She said, one could call this a postnatal abortion on the part of a mother. I guess I repudiate him entirely and completely for now. At all times, he is beyond human forgiveness. Now, that's what she said about her own son. Now, what in the world's... I'm going to have to be careful. I don't want to get up on a soapbox here. How many of you going to help me preach here today? What in the world are we doing listening to somebody whose life is all messed up? But yet, in our culture... We are listening to the wrong voices. And, and let me tell you what happened to this lady. And I use that term very loosely. She was kidnapped, her, a son, and a granddaughter. 
and they're trying to extort the money that they think she has sent to other bank accounts hiding money and evidently that may be very well what she did and so they're holding her captive and later they strangle her, her son and her granddaughter and cut them up in pieces put them in barrels, take them to another site, burn the bodies that's how she ended up don't ever mock God don't ever mock God. That, that was her ending. But they found her diary later. And let me read a line in her diary that I think will amaze you today. This is what she wrote. Somebody somewhere, please love me. What happens when we don't love right, don't receive love right? Let me tell you, no good things happen we don't get love right. So this woman who had a profound effect on American culture is crying out, please, somebody love me. But the one who wanted to love her and did love her, she rejected that love. So we have to realize that God wants to love every person here. Listen, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, if you'd like to turn there, please do. And I'm just going to give you this one line, God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Now, God doesn't just love. His very nature and attribute is what? It's love. God is love. So if we want to know what true love is, what do we do? We go to God because God is love. Someone said this, uh, mercy is God's forgiving love. Grace is God's undeserved love. Peace is God's comforting love. The will of God is God's unerring love providence is God's caring love the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's proven love sanctification is God's nurturing love heaven is God's rewarding love and eternity is God's unending love I tell you God's full of love isn't he God is a loving God and we have to understand that because if we do your life and my life will go so much better I'm going to give you three things. You have a pencil and paper, uh, your phone, iPad, or a stone and a chisel. Uh, you might want to jot these down. The first one is, love gives me security. Say that with me. Love gives me security. If you want to be secure in who you are and what you do, then you have to understand that God's love, the agape love of God, will give you security. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if I have a good love, a wholesome love, then it gives me security. Now, Carrie and I, we've been married for 47 years. We got married in the second grade, but uh, not true. But uh, we've been married for a long time. Now, I'm secure in our love. Now, the reason I feel secure in our love, because that love has been tested, it's been proved over the years, so I'm not worried about, you know, some other things happening in our relationship, because true love gives us what? Security. And as a spouse, as a mate, you need to uh, instill that security in your mate, vice versa. If we have that secure love, then we feel protected, we feel covered, right? In 1987, Northwest Airlines was flying from Detroit, and, and they got off of the runway and went just a little while, and the plane crashed. And they thought all 225 people on that plane 
died and it looked like that was the case but when they were going through the wreckage they found one lone survivor and it was a little bitty girl by the name of Cecilia and she was four years old and they wondered of everybody on the plane crew passengers everyone died but one four little girl a four-year-old little girl named Cecilia and, and when they discovered why she didn't die this is what happened When that plane was going down, Paula, who was her mother, buckled her little girl down in the seat very tight, got on her hands and knees, and went over the top of her little girl and hung on, even though the mother died underneath, Cecilia was still alive. Do you realize that God has you covered? That the mercy of God and the grace of God and the power of God has come over you to circle you up and hover over you. Aren't you glad you're under the shadow of the Most High God? And he's put his wings over you to cover you. And guess what that does? That gives you a security that you can't have out in the world. But if you're in God, let me tell you, you are secure in his everlasting love. Can I hear an amen to that? In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this everlasting love uh, at the end of the chapter. This verse 37 through 39. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come, height, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, God's not going to bail on you. Now, you may bail on God, but he's not going to bail on you. So he is committed to you. And that commitment that he has for you must surely make you feel secure. So you have to stay in that love. You have to stay in that enveloping place, that covering place, that hovering place that God has for us. So when we talk about the security Man, we need it today, don't we? We live in an unstable world. We, we, we just heard about the year that we just had and what we've been through and what could be in your future and your tomorrow. But I want to tell you, it's going to be a lot better for you if you, if you walk in that secure love that God gives you. D- don't get out from under it. How many of you know we need to stay under it? Stay in the place where he is, the, the anointing, the covering, the love of God. Here's the second thing. Love declares that I'm valuable. Let's say it together. Love declares that I am valuable. Now the question begs to be asked, why are you valuable? Well, you know, I've got this. No, none of that matters. I'm happy for you, but I'm just telling you, none of that matters. But let me tell you why you matter. It's because of who you are and whose you are. That is what matters. You see, God's love declares that I am valuable because of who I am in Him, whose I am in Him. You see, we've been talking about uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the, the Ephesian letter, and Paul prays a lot through that letter, and he talks about the love of God. And in that love of God, this is chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless, in his sight, in love. 
He predestinated us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now, the Bible says that we are his, we are the ones that he chose. So the value is not just because of who you are and whose you are. It's also the value because of what you cost. What you cost. Now let me elaborate on that this morning because in verse 7 it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. What did it cost you to be saved? It cost Jesus everything he bore the shame he bore the beating he he bore the humiliation he took his cross to calvary there he was stripped naked nailed to a tree lifted up between heaven and earth he gave up his life why did he do that well some people said well he just wanted to prove that he loved us and that's absolutely true but it's also because you needed rescue I used this analogy earlier this morning. Um, we, we live several miles southwest of here, and I'm not too far from Red River, right over into Texas. And Carrie and I, we shop a lot down in Wichita Falls, Texas, so we cross the Red River pretty often. And when it's in the summer, Red River's not much of a river, is it? Not very wide, not really deep in some places. It's always red. I remember one time my brother Steve and I, we were uh, swimming in Red River. Some of you have heard this story. We were big kids, and uh, we were uh, swimming in the river, and all of a sudden Steve decided he was going to swim upstream. He had this funny look on his face. I said, what's wrong? He said, the current sucked my underwear off. <laughs> Too much information, right? But the point being, you know, back in those days, we'd just strip down to our underwear, our tidy whities we'd get in the river and we'd swim. When you get out, let me tell you, you always had red underwear because it stains you. But if we're crossing the river, and most of you know, you know, in the spring and the fall when there's a lot of rain, that river can be very wide and it can be very dangerous and it's very rushing. I mean, sometimes it's a, it's a half a mile wide. So if Carrie and I are going across the bridge and, I say, Carrie, I'm going to jump in the river to prove my love to you. Number one, she'd say, you're a nut. Number two, why are you doing this? Wouldn't it be better for me to stay on the bridge with her instead of jumping in the water to prove that I love her? But if she's in the river and she's drowning and then I jump in the water, I didn't just jump in the water because I love her. I jumped in the water to rescue her. Jesus went to the cross to rescue you. Because you and I were dead in our sins. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves. But Jesus went there to rescue us, to redeem us, to buy us back. And because of that, you're valuable. And you're very valuable because he paid the ultimate price for you. We needed to be rescued. Now... You're valuable not only because of what the price he paid, you're valuable because of what you can become and what you can do. 
Now, if you look at that passage I read there in Ephesians 1 verse 4, he chose us to be holy, blameless. He wants to adopt us, verse 5, and he wants us to do his will. Now, let me tell you, to do his will is a big, big project, right? But he knows who you are. He knows what he paid for you, the ultimate price. He gave his life for us. But he also knows, he knows who we are and what we can become. Now, I, I, I used a couple of illustrations earlier. Let's take Moses. How many of you know Moses didn't start off well? He killed somebody in Egypt. He was 40 years old. He went to the wilderness. He was there for about 40 years. And all of a sudden, he has the burning bush experience. And the Lord speaks to him out of the bush and calls him to Egypt to deliver the people of God. Now, we know God does it, but how many of you know God uses people to do things? So God is saying, I know who you are. I know you're on the backside of the desert. You think no one knows where you're at or who you are. How many of you know God knows who you are? And he knows exactly where you are, and he knows what you can do. But here's what we do. We, we do what Moses does. We, we begin to make excuses. Wait, I can't speak very well. Who do I say sent me? If I go back, they won't hear me. This is the most powerful dynasty at the time, and I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to Pharaoh's court. But this is what God is saying. I know who you are, and I know what you can do through me. Now, this is something that's not just a one-time deal in your Bible. You take Gideon. Gideon, he had a little bit of a complex, didn't he? I mean, I come from the smallest tribe, and my, my tribe is smallest in Israel. You know, I can't do anything. But God knew who he was, and he knew what he could do. So, therefore, he's valuable to the kingdom of God. And every person here is valuable to the kingdom of God. I don't care who you are. Now, some of you are saying, well, listen, I'm too young. God can't use me. Uh, no, David, he can use you, right? I'm too old. God can't use me. No, Moses, he can use you. Do you know that God used Moses when he was 80 years old? So chunk the excuse, people. God can use you and I no matter what age we are. And he wants to use us because he knows who we are and he knows what we can do. And this is maybe even the most important thing. He knows what we can become. So when he takes us, he molds us and makes us and we're new creatures in him. So we become something that God can use. We become the person that God can use, right? So this is very, very important. Now here's the third thing. Not only the value and, and, and the price that was paid, but love helps establish my identity. Say that with me. Love helps establish my identity. We live in a world and a culture today, we're trying to figure out who we are. Am I a man or am I a woman? Am I a woman or am I a man? Well, I only read God created two. Don't check the other box. I'm not trying to be ugly, but we live in an identity crisis around the world. We're in a huge identity crisis. And we need to realize that God helps establish my identity through his love. Now, this is going to help everybody here. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. 
If you and I know our identity, you will never feel unloved and you'll never be alone. You will never feel unloved and you will never be alone. Because the God who loves you said this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he also said this, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now you may forsake him, but he will never forsake you. What would it be like when people are going through bouts of depression and loneliness and unworthiness and they don't feel like they're valued? If they could just remember this, you will never be alone and you will never be unloved. Well, well, pastor, you know, I'm into this and I've done this and I failed at that. Listen to me. You will never be alone and you will never be unloved. Lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of this world, the end of this age. You know what God is saying? I'm going to stick with you until this thing is over. I'm always going to be with you. I'm always going to love you. Why? Because God is love. He loves us. He loves each and every one of us. He wants to love you. It helps establish our, our, our identity. Now, this is Ephesians 3. We, we talked about this last week. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, the Bible says I can be a person that's rooted and grounded in love. What does that mean? I'm rooted and grounded. I have some stability in my life, and I can bring fruit forth in my life because I'm rooted and grounded in love. Now, in that thought and in that concept, we, we realize that if we are rooted and grounded in love, look at verse number 18. The Bible says I'm a saint. How many of you ever felt like you weren't a saint? Y'all are so holy. I'm going to hold my hand up for you. I mean, you know, I failed, and I failed a lot, and and sometimes I just felt like I was a saint that ain't, you know. But the Bible, look there at verse 18, it says that we're saints. Now, if I just go on a little list here, and you'll identify this, we're saints, we're saved, we're the blessed, we're the children of God, we're new creatures in Christ, we're forgiven, victorious, we're gifted, and all those things apply to every person here. Now why? Because you're so great? No, because God is so great and God is so good. Now that last one I listed is the, the, the word gifted because I want to give you some, some context here. When we read... 1 Corinthians 13, what do we call that? The love chapter, right? Love is. Love is this, love is that. But I want you to know where that love chapter is positioned. It's positioned right between the gift chapters because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul lists nine spiritual gifts and then in chapter 14, he begins to talk about prophecy and tongues and all those things. And then in Romans chapter 12, he talks about other gifts. But right in the middle of the gifts, he gives us the love chapter. Now the question is why? Because at the end of that chapter 12, he says, I want to show you a more excellent way. Because if you don't do all these things in love then you're like a clanging cymbal. You're like a bunch of noise and racket doing all the right things for the wrong reason. So I want to 
kind of get you founded here. We, we want the gifts. How many of you know the church needs the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I mean, they haven't passed on with the apostles. If the Holy Spirit's still here today, the gifts of the Holy Spirit's still here today. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit's still here today. And the first fruit is what? Love, joy, peace, love. It's a priority. So what he does, he says, listen, I want to give you this concept. Yes, we need spiritual gifts, but every spiritual gift has to operate in love because if it doesn't operate in love, agape love, then it is not what it is meant to be. So it gives me identification in my giftedness, in who I am, how I was created, how I was made. So therefore, I am confident and established in my identity. And let me tell you why that's important. Because the enemy's going to come by and he's going to whisper in your ear, you are not who you think you are. He's going to tell you God doesn't love you. You've messed up so much uh, that, that God could never save you. He, he couldn't, you know, go with you. But I want to tell you, God is bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. And not only will the enemy do that, you will do it to yourself. Does anyone here ever have emotions? <laughs> you ever have moods that swing? We all do. Because you're going to be in one of those moods, you're going to have one of those emotions, and it's going to say something directly against the Word of God. That's why our priority must be the Word of God and not my feelings. Because my feelings are going to come and they're going to go, but the Word of God endures forever. So therefore, I am going by what the Word says about me, my identity in the Word, and not how I feel, not what society says, not what culture is telling me, not what my emotions are that day, that moment, that mood. I'm going to say, this is what the Word says about me. I have identity in Christ, and so therefore, that's where I am. And that's where you are. Do you know this verse, John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we break that down today, talking about the love of God, it, it does help to identify some things in our life. God, it starts out for God. Well, that destroys the atheist argument, right? There's a God who created all things. God who so loved. That tells us there's a personal God that loves us intimately, passionately, so loved. He's the greatest lover. He's not the deist that wound up the clock and walked over and said, when it's over, I'll show up again. No, he's involved every day. He is the God who so loved, passionate love. And who did he love? He loved the world. Now, I know that's going to upend some Calvinism here. But he loves the world. It's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You're in, you're not in, you're in, you're out. No. Who did God love? He loved the world. And not only did he love the world, he so loved the world. And he gave. He's the biggest giver. His only begotten son well, that confuses Islam. Mary Randy and I and Carrie, we were on the T 
Temple Mount a few years ago, and there's two Muslim mosques there on the Temple Mount. And in Arabic writing, there's a line that says, God has no son. God has a son, and his name is Jesus. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten Son, that whosoever believes, grace is for whoever believes. So God's extending grace and love and mercy, but you and I have to respond by faith to that grace, love, and mercy. So there's a response that you have. There's a response that I should have. Do you have the choice to respond or not to, to respond? Absolutely. It's kind of like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Well, if I don't have a choice, why are you saying that? You got a choice. It's like Moses standing at the gate of the camp when he comes down and they're worshiping Baal. He said, who's on the Lord's side? If you're on God's side, get over here. Well, if I don't have a choice, then why even say that to me, Moses? Because whoever believes, God wants to receive you. In him. Say that with me. In him. Who's the him referring to? Jesus. It's not in a denomination. It's not in a religion. How many of you know it's in him? I'm not anti some of those things. I'm just saying it's in him. You can go to church every day of your life and still be lost because it's in Jesus. You know, you can live a moral life and it's still in Jesus, right? Should not perish. We're not nihilist, are we? You die and that's it. The atheists at a funeral all dressed up nowhere to go. What should not perish? What's he saying? Life will go on somewhere. You're an eternal soul. You're an eternal <laughs> creature that's living in a human body. The body will go back to where it came from. But the real you is going to live somewhere forever, right? So there is something beyond this life. I'm sorry, Nietzsche, but you were wrong. There is life beyond this life but have everlasting life. There's a real heaven, there's a real hell, and you and I, because of Jesus Christ, can get to go to heaven. And we can be a part of the kingdom of God today. You see, love's a big deal. I don't want to rehearse last week, but if you love your kids, you will discipline them. If you love your kids, you'll disciple them. If you love other people, not only will you love them with an everlasting love like we should love, but you'll also share with them the principles of the kingdom of God. And you don't have to worry that God loves you today. He does. I'm just confirming what Scripture says. This weekend, Carrie and I had the kids home, and uh, we had our grandchildren here. And we're wore out today. Riley, who is our two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, her and Ian, we, we don't have to worry if Ian and Riley love Papa and Cece because when they see us, they just run up and put their arms up, and let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing. It's really great. So in anticipation for their coming this weekend, I went shopping to the grocery store, and uh, part of my purchase was ice cream sandwiches, and banana popsicles. 
I'm a hit. So we have ice cream sandwiches. We, we have vanilla popsicles. And so yesterday, they were having a little trouble with Riley eating all of her food. And uh, so Papa's wise. I said, Riley, if you don't eat all your food, you can't have the banana popsicle. I said, we're, we're going to have banana popsicles, but you've got to eat the rest of your food. Oh, so, yeah, that's a hit. She, she ate the rest of her food. So I go to the freezer, and I get two banana popsicles out. I get one for me and one for her. So we pull off the wrapper. I give her one. I have one. And she's never had a banana popsicle before. And we're at the table. We're eating a banana popsicle. And I said, Riley, how's the banana popsicle? This is what she said. Papa makes my teeth happy. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Never heard that line before in my life. Papa makes my teeth happy. I said, Riley, makes my teeth happy too. And then, then, then we, we went on. So we're eating our banana popsicle. And I said, hey, Riley, stick your popsicle over here. So she holds it out, and I get mine, and we bump popsicles. I said, cheers. So we'd eat a little bit more popsicle. I said, hey, Riley. She'd stick her popsicle. I said, cheers. L let me tell you something. Your life and my life is going to be so much better when we walk in love. You say, well, Pastor, these people upset me and, and they talked about me and they posted about me or whatever. Listen, just walk in love. Your, your life's going to be so much better. And if you're here today and, and you feel like nobody loves you, I'm here to tell you God loves you. And he will never forsake you. And I don't care really where you're at or what you've done. Now, he may not be pleased in what you're doing, but I'll guarantee you he loves you. And he'll always love you. And he loves you so much he won't leave you the way he found you. How do you know the only way you can come to Christ is just the way you are? Just the way you are. But once you get there, he loves you so much he won't leave you the way you are. He will help you and bless you and grow you and disciple you and... You'll be better off than you've ever been in your entire life. And it's just so true, isn't it? Would you bow your head with me today? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.